everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Easy Conversations podcast, a podcast about having easy conversations. I'm your host, Furkan Dania. I'm really excited about today's episode, which is the first episode of 2022. And I have Dr. Jeremy Goldberg from Long Distance Love Bombs join me uh, today. Um, In this episode, uh, Jeremy shares his own story of choosing purpose over comfort and some of the tough choices he had to make. Uh, Jeremy and I also discuss how typically in life when we want to choose purpose, it often comes at the cost of comfort. And I think this episode is really timely coming into the new year for people that are really wanting to not only identify their purpose, but also figure out how to go about choosing purpose in their life. So I really hope you can get a lot out of this episode. And if at the end you can leave a five-star review, I would truly appreciate it. All right, Jeremy, welcome to the Easy Conversations podcast. Uh, Super, super grateful for you to be able to come on here and, and have this conversation with me. And, you know, I really appreciate the fact that we've been able to connect uh, and, and do this as well. Um, I'm really excited about the, the topic I want to cover with you. But uh, before we jump into that, I want to give you an opportunity to, you know, for my listeners who are not aware of your work or who don't, who don't know who you are, if you could, you know, introduce yourself and talk about some of the things that you're working on. Sure. Uh, foremost, uh, thank you for inviting me, Furkan. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. Secondly, I have a somewhat canned response that I use when I give keynote <laughs> talks and things. Yeah. Which is essentially, how does it go? I'm an empathy collecting, anti quitting word wizard. I am a compassion cultivating, day making change agent. I am a ferocious never giver upper. Uh, my name is Dr. Jeremy Goldberg. I am a recovering scientist turned spoken word poet, podcast host, life coach, author, workshop leader, retreat facilitator, keynote speaker. I basically have what I call the entire personal development starter pack. Like I've got a nose ring and my hair is kind of long. I have like a scruffy face. I've got a podcast and a book and I'm a vegetarian. (laughs) Like I'm this stereotypical guy. that I would have completely made fun of when I was younger. Yeah, I'm that guy. But my mission is to make kindness cool and compassion commonplace. And I do that on social media and Facebook um, through my business, which is called Long Distance Love Bombs. Mm -hmm. And so I have the Long Distance Love Bombs podcast is um, where I talk to people. And then on Instagram are the two main ways that I get my message out. And yeah, I'm just trying to help the world be a better place and share my insights and experiences along the way. And uh, yeah, I'm just a normal dude with a loud voice and a strong set of opinions that I hold loosely. (laughs) (laughs) No, I appreciate that. And that's amazing. Um, Just to kind of expand on like, uh, because I've been following your work for a few years now, but when you say making kindness cool, like, why is that? Just to understand better. Yeah. So originally it began. Um, so I have a TED talk and I um, talk about it at the beginning, how it sort of initiated with an experience in an airport with a stranger who was crying and I felt terrible. And I just looked around and 
thought the world was fucked up, that this person could just cry by herself. And I wanted to make a difference. And so I started writing and sharing with this idea of trying to bring about more collective unity and compassion as a society. And then through my work uh, as a postgrad, I was studying the people of the Great Barrier Reef and exploring attitudes and beliefs and behavior change and all of that. And integrating that with my own personal research around why my life feels hard and why I drink so much. Mm -hmm. I've kind of now dovetailed into this idea of self-compassion, self-kindness, self-love, self-acceptance, mm -hmm. because I see it as a kind of root solution to a lot of the core problems of the world. So for example, when you talk about things like addiction, domestic violence, racism, et cetera, I think at a core level, kindness and compassion is crucial towards addressing and resolving all of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, and like, you know, you kind of need a snazzy tagline to be like, who are you and what do you do? And I'm like, I'm, I'm long distance love bombs guy and I'm trying to make kindness cool. And yeah, um, it's kind of an umbrella statement under which all of my work lies. Mm -hmm. and, and one of the things you touched on, which I think is important is all of that starts within first, right? The, the self-kindness, the self-compassion. And if we can't give it to ourselves, we can't really give it to other people or we don't have the ability or to give it to others. So, so I appreciate that fact. Yeah, like if you hate the world, it's going to be very difficult for you to change the world or to care about the world. At the same time, if you hate yourself, it's going to be very difficult for you to love the world, mm -hmm. right? And so I, I view it as like this outside in, inside out kind of uh, partnership whereby the work is internal. The way that you feel about yourself and the lens that you see the world through is going to fundamentally and radically shift your perspective of your entire life, period. And so if we can work towards shifting that lens to start seeing things in a more compassionate, kind, accepting way, I believe that things will improve. Mm -hmm. and, and even saying it, man, it sounds so fucking cliche and woo woo is like okay bro let's just be nicer to each other and and kumbaya some rainbows and things will work out but i think that interpretation which i even myself am projecting is is like a snarky way to avoid feeling deeply mm -hmm. and it's a, a distraction from actually considering what's going on inside of us mm -hmm. so absolutely yeah, yeah. And one of the things that you touched on, and, and you know, I, I first heard of you uh, through the Zura Health podcast. It was like oh, yeah. three years ago. And you talked about how listening to our heart is the most rational thing we can do. And I don't want to like get into what you covered in that podcast, but what stood out to me the most was the fact that, and, and you alluded to it earlier in your intro, you were a scientist, right? And then you decided to make this shift um into the work you're doing today and I find like today myself included the reason why it resonated for me because I was on my own journey you know kind of working corporate which I still am doing as an engineer but I'm also trying to make a difference in living in alignment with my purpose in life that I've identified so what resonated for me was that ability to make that tough 
choice because I think men in today's world feel this pressure, right? They need to be the providers or they need to be the breadwinners. And, and often as men, I feel we don't take those risks but in fear of losing those roles. Um, and, and there's also that risk of failure right? You, you, you take that huge risk and you fail and now you feel the shame walking around. So I just want to understand your journey and what really inspired you and, and, and then we'll kind of get into what things are now in the present. But yeah, just understanding that, that kind of moment you or, or whether it was that experience that inspired you to make that change. Yeah, it's such a good topic. And off the top of my head, what came up for me when you were saying that was that, yes, it is a risk to change. Mm -hmm. Like change is inherently uncertain. Right. And that uncertainty can be perceived as risky, right? And we tend to focus on reasons why it might not work out or what we stand to lose. Mm -hmm. But we rarely consider what we stand to gain and we rarely give ourselves the time and space and bandwidth to think about what if this works out for me? Like, what if this actually is easy? Mm -hmm. What if I am able to provide for my family and live my dream life? And it just, and it's okay. Like it happens, right? Mm -hmm. And so we often face the risk of failure as you suggested, but I would argue, or I would offer that there's also another risk involved in that decision, which is that the safe choice might actually be the most dangerous. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is if you as a, as a human feel called to do something with your life and you don't accept that path, then you continue day after day after day to live in a manner that is not fulfilling, that's not exciting, Mm -hmm. that sucks the life force out of you. And what does that do to your health? What kind of parent are you then when you're mm -hmm. living half expressed? Mm -hmm. What kind of relationship can you reasonably expect to cultivate if deep down you hate how you spend eight hours of your day? If deep down you despise your existence and judge yourself for not being brave enough to try something new, if you don't trust yourself enough to pursue a new path or commit to something and follow through, like, what does that do to your health? What does that do to your mind? Mm -hmm. Right? What does that do to every single interaction that you have with every single person that you see each day? Right. And so I will, so to, to my point, I think that choosing that safe path might not be as safe as we perceive it to be. And you see this all around the world, particularly in men, it manifests as addiction, domestic violence, suicide, incarceration, mm -hmm. like men have some stuff going on, mm -hmm. right? So for me, um, my personal journey, yeah, I was a scientist. I, um, I joke that I'm a recovering scientist, like, so yeah, I worked, um, I lived in the South Pacific for a couple of years in a place called American Samoa. I spent a decade in Australia. I actually am a citizen of Australia now. I worked on the Great Barrier Reef for many years. I worked for the American government, the Australian government. I worked for universities, 
I lived in Thailand for a bit. Like that was my jam. I was in Mm -hmm. coral reef conservation, natural resource management, sustainability. I was trying to save the planet and I was trying to save coral reefs and I was doing my part and I was getting paid to scuba dive on the Great Barrier Reef. And my life was fucking dope, man. Yeah. Like (laughs) I like I remember going for a scuba dive and coming up after an hour and being like, whoa, I just got paid like 70 bucks to dive on the Great Barrier Reef. Like I fucking made it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And and that was true until it wasn't, right? And then towards the end of my PhD, I was feeling burnt out. I was feeling unfulfilled. I was tired, exhausted, bored, et cetera. And for, the, for a year or two before that, I had started this thing on the side called Long Distance Love Bomb, which basically was like a hobby. It was like a shiny object that felt fun. And it mm-hmm. was like this quirky thing. I, I like was selling prints and stubby holders. They call it like beer koozies that you hold drinks in. I was making yeah. stuff and going to little markets and it was like a side hustle. And, uh, and over the years, that side hustle became like uh, more and more of a thing. Mm-hmm. So I started an Instagram account and a Facebook page and people started sharing my stuff and I was getting followers and yeah, I was making a little bit of money here and there. And it got to this point where my life path that I was on, that I was building with blood, sweat, and tears, the science path was, was like no longer it for me. Like I could have been continuing on that path. I could have been a very competent scientist. Like I published papers. I have a PhD. I worked for the government. I had connections. Like mm-hmm. I had a cubicle with the swipe card. I had all this shit. Yeah. And, uh, but there was like this emptiness inside this like pit of despair and uh, like yuck. It was just like, ugh, mm-hmm. I don't want to go to work. I started resenting the swipe card in my wallet. I started not looking forward to the drive in the morning. And it's that, that standard story that we've heard time and time again of like, yeah, I had the girl, I had the house, <laughs> you know, I, but like something was missing. Yeah. And, um, and for me, it was really difficult to make that decision to uh, take a chance on myself, essentially. And I was very lucky that I had no children. I had no mortgage. I was, I was broke, essentially. I was a PhD student for five years. Like, <laughs> I didn't have a ton of money, um, but I had some savings that I was willing to burn. Mm-hmm. And um and eventually I just kept leaning in to this idea and I would find myself daydreaming in quiet moments, not about writing science papers, but about doing thing, doing workshops and doing the love bomb stuff. And it started occupying more and more of my time. And I was less and less excited about academia. And, and that was like an internal battle that swung back and forth for a couple of years until I had this epiphany one day when I was sitting at my cubicle and I was kind of uh, playing out hypotheticals. So like, what Mm -hmm. if I do this? What if I do that? And I think this is a really beneficial exercise for anybody listening Mm -hmm. to confront the worst case scenario and stare it in the face and hold it in your heart and be like, okay, this is actually what I'm really scared of. Mm -hmm. Like we talk about scared of making a decision, scared of quitting, scared of taking a risk, like, what is it? 
like name that thing. And for me, it was like, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to take my savings. I'm, I'm not going to take a job. I'm just going to have a couple months to like, see if this will work. Okay. If that doesn't work, what happens? Well, I lose all of my savings. Like, okay. And I think at the time it was like 20 grand or something. I had like mm -hmm. saved up my, my whole life. Right. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to have no money. Okay. What happens then? Well, then I'm going to have to ask a friend or a family member for a couch and to feed me. Like, okay. <laughs> like what, what's that going to be like? Well, that's going to be very humbling and I'm going to be in my thirties and I'm going to be broke and I'm going to be living on a couch. I'm like, okay, that's the worst case scenario. All right. And then what happens? Well, you know, by that time I have a PhD, I have like a decade of work experience. I could probably get a job. Like I look really good on paper. I've, yeah. I've published in scientific journals. Like I'm capable. I have skills. I have connections. I'll get a job. And okay. And then what? Well, you know, that job is likely going to be a pretty good white collar job. I'll probably have a cubicle. I'll probably work for the government, probably get a swipe car, just like the one right, right now. Mm -hmm. And then in this moment, uh, for Khan, I was like, holy shit, I'm literally living my worst case scenario <laughs> yeah. right now. Like, this is it. Yeah. And so in that moment, I had this realization like, well, fuck it. Like, why, why not try it? Like yeah. the worst that will happen is I'll have three months, six months, 10 months, two years of trying to pursue my dreams, making memories, having adventures, you know, learning some new shit. And like worst case scenario, I'm back here, possibly in the same exact cubicle, doing the same kind of job. And okay like I, I just yeah. made peace with that yeah it's like all right well here we go because the the other epiphany is like to my point earlier about safety being dangerous is is that there is a certain amount of suffering involved in choosing that uncertain path mm -hmm. there's a certain amount of discomfort a certain amount of fear a certain amount of uh social pressure that you must confront a certain amount of disappointment that you have to create in other people's expectations like it's it's a certain amount of suffering right mm -hmm. however there's also a tremendous amount of suffering in the safe choice there's a tremendous amount of suffering in living my entire life and never knowing what it would have felt like to launch my own business or to right. write my book or to move to that place or to ask that person out, or to leave that marriage, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So for me, it kind of boils down to uh, which path would I regret not choosing, right? Like mm -hmm. on my deathbed, I think this is also another helpful thing for people to do is to consider yourself as an 80 year older on your deathbed. Like, would I, have, would I be more regretful about taking the risk and failing or would I be more regretful about not taking the chance and living that comfortable life mm -hmm. and for me personally no judgment on anybody else considering this like I would have regretted not knowing what that life could have been like mm -hmm. like what the taste of that life would have done for my insides Absolutely. like I wanted to know yeah right 
And someone else listening might be like, no way. Like I would regret uh, having the comfortable, stable life with the picket fence and the family. Like that's awesome. Yeah. The point is that for us individually, I'm talking about self-awareness and I'm talking about bravery and I'm talking about commitment and discipline to like put a stake in the ground clearly of what you want that lights you up inside and then go. Yeah. So that's my Ted talk about my life. Thanks for listening. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I think, I think it resonates uh, and I hope it resonates for other people, but for me, you know, and you can apply that thinking or message to many aspects of our lives. And, and for me, it, it was twofold. I think in the sense when I was kind of contemplating, you know, I was married uh, and, and I had a son. Oh, I still have a son, but yeah, he was young. And for me, it was like the, the dilemma of breaking his family apart and, and going through the same process of looking at, okay, well, when I'm 80 and I'm dying, like, would I rather tell my son, Hey, you know, I kept your family together, but you never really got to see the real me or choosing a different path. And at least my son experiencing who I truly am as a person, the, the happy, uh, content version of me. And I'm happy to take that decision any day because I can, if he grows up and questions me about dad, why did you break my family apart? I could say, well, so you could really experience the real me. And, and it was having those internal thoughts and the same thing with career wise understanding, well, you touched on it, the safe choice is dangerous, but there's also an aspect of, you know, when men put pressure on themselves, oh, you know, I want to be able to provide for my family. I don't want to let my children down. You also have to ask yourself, are you truly happy doing that? And if you were to ask your family members or your children, would they rather want, you know, more money or would they rather want a happier version of you? And that's, I think, some things you, you also need to consider. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like, thanks for sharing that. And I can't imagine how hard that decision is for you and for so many others, right? And what comes up for me there is like, do you, do you want to, well, how do I phrase this? Like the act of breaking up a family is, is only one interpretation, mm-hmm. right? Another interpretation is I'm showing my son what it means to make difficult decisions while honoring my truth right? It's like, I'm showing him that it's okay to love yourself enough that you can disappoint other people. Absolutely. Right. It's like that. And it's like, and it's hard and it's going to be difficult and it's not ideal and it's not how I thought it would go, but like, I'm using this as an opportunity to demonstrate, you know, how to respond to change, how to cultivate resiliency, how to do a million things. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing, gosh, what was I going to, I was going to say, um, yeah, oh, oh, I remember. Um, so when I was when I was doing my PhD, so that was like my day job. I was working for the Australian government. I had the I had the gig, and then I had the side project, right? Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of people trying to navigate these big life decisions, we tend to put it in like a binary decision. Either it's either I do this or I do this, mm-hmm. right? Either I work for the the government or I quit my job and I go all in. And admittedly, for me, like I kind of went all in. Although I did like take consulting gigs here and there, 
But another one was for those year or for that year or two, I was working, but I was also building up that side hustle. I would go to work 7 a.m. in the morning and then I would work for an hour and clock in at eight. In the evenings, I was like spending it on my side projects. Like I wasn't watching movies. I wasn't Netflixing. I wasn't like, I was, I was grinding, man. I was yeah. like, I was in the Gary V fucking hustle mode, Eric <laughs> Thomas. I was listening to those dudes during my workout and, uh, and I was prioritizing the right, how do I say this? I was prioritizing priorities, mm-hmm. right? Cause everything's a priority. Like you got to eat, you got to sleep, blah, blah, blah. And, and for me, it was like a test of how bad I really wanted to do that thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm working weekends. Like I'm putting in the time I'm, I'm choosing as a consequence of those decisions to sacrifice certain things. Right. Right. And that I think is a way to identify to those listening, like what, what you really want to do. So like, if, uh, if no one was going to pay for, pay you for it like what would you be doing and for me it was like i was still writing i was still going to markets like i would live that life it was a sign that like that there's something deep intrinsically motivating me to like craft that life right um and so so i think that what i'm trying to get across is that like there is a flexibility in terms of the amount of options that you have to create and adapt and pursue it doesn't necessarily have to be all or nothing this way or that way. Mm-hmm. You can get crafty. You can, you can get, uh, what's the word you can, you can play around with it. Right. And be creative with how you use your time and connections, etc. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you can structure it however you want. And that's kind of what I've been doing similar to you is just hustling in the evenings, doing school, yeah. you know, masters in psychology and building the side hustle and and I think when when you're passionate about something it's not even it doesn't even feel like you're wasting time because you're learning so much and you feel like you're you're putting in you're putting something out there that you believe in and when when you're doing that I think you're you're a really powerful person at that point yeah I saw a meme once it said something like you know a job is working 40 hours a week 40 hours a week a passion is working 80 for yourself yeah. something like that and i was yeah. like oh that lands i don't like yeah. that it lands but like yeah yeah you, you would understand that i'm sure absolutely 100 percent. yeah yeah no so uh, you know thank you for sharing the story of how you came to that conclusion and and were able to make that decision but now you're living out your purpose i would say and and how has that been like being able to truly do what you believe in uh, on a day-to-day basis? Well, as my partner says occasionally, new levels, new devils, right? Yeah. So, so like, yeah, again, like on paper, it's dope. Like I have a podcast, I wrote a book and like, I got a decent following on the internet. And then it's also like, oh shit, I have to manage a podcast. Oh dang, I have to write a book. Oh, <laughs> Dang, I have followers then that uh, that I know are gonna read this now. Is like when I first started, you know, I had like 400 followers or whatever. It was like I don't give a shit, whatever, yeah. doesn't matter. Whereas now it's like, oh, like I know that everything I write is gonna be seen by thousands of eyes. And so when I say new levels, new devils, I, I love that expression because 
it uh, reinforces that this life thing is perpetually about smacking your head against the ceiling of doubt, uncertainty, <laughs> fulfillment, joy. And I'm perpetually discovering that that cyclical nature is just ongoing. Yeah. Like, oh, dang, I thought, I thought once I figured out my, my purpose and what I'm supposed to be doing, that it's like, I just get covered yeah. in glitter and everything <laughs> is easy. Uh, so, so, I mean, it's good, man. I, I love what I'm doing. I love my clients. It's so cliche. Like in two weeks, I'm going to Costa Rica. I'm hosting a retreat in Costa Rica that like, yeah. I can't even believe that I get to do that with two of my like dearest friends and like, I'm making money doing like I'm getting paid to go to Costa Rica. I'm just like, what, what even is life? You know, yeah. I've had I've had some really cool opportunities. And at the same time, like I've tried stuff that bombed. I've said things that got me annihilated online here and there. Yeah. I've made mistakes. I've stepped in it. I'm trying to figure it out. Like I'm I'm always being humbled in my relationship with my partner mm -hmm. in a, in the best and most beautiful way. Like I'm just trying to, I suppose, like stay on the path and answer the internal call mm -hmm. to expand, express, evolve, do, do the stuff that I'm here to do while maintaining my humility, curiosity, and inner heart compass so yeah. to speak yeah um, yeah i don't know if that's helpful but no it is i think uh you know i like the the phrase to new levels new devils and you know i was thinking about it it's almost like this whole journey is like a video game right i remember as a kid 100%. playing super mario and like you make it to the next level and the challenges just keep getting harder and harder yeah and that's life right like you can't get complacent but you also have to celebrate when you reach the new levels, but understand yeah. you're going to get humbled and it's going to take longer, or you're going to have to ask other people for their help. Uh, I remember trying to get the cheat codes, right? <laughs> I love that video game analogy, man. And then of the video game, right? Where you have to die. You literally die. You go back to the beginning and then you come back to that same spot. And you try something different. Yes. Or you try the same shit. Guess what? You died again. God dang, back to the beginning. <laughs> it's such a beautiful metaphor for life. It is. And then you yeah. get past it and you're like, yes, stoked. And then what? You die again. It's like, ah, damn it. <laughs> yeah. And then at some point, through repetition, right? Through repetition and paying attention, the things that used to feel dangerous, scary, hard are just like, oh, I know this part. I need to jump over this thing. I need to do that thing. Right. It's the same with life. And and I'll even have these dialogues with myself internally when I'm facing these inner monsters or inner bad guys mm -hmm. so so like I'll be like oh oh yeah this is the part where I start to judge myself oh this is the part where I start to doubt my abilities like oh yep here's the part where I talk shit about my writing yeah mm -hmm. okay that's cool and so I've sort of cultivated an awareness or a familiarity with those various parts of the levels that I can just sort of blast past them easier than I used to be. Yeah. And, and just to add to that, I think it's also recognizing when, if you're continuing to die, it's being able to recognize 
okay, maybe I need help here. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, it was, it was fascinating. I went to see my therapist yesterday just for a regular check-in. And at the end, she asked me, like, she dropped a pretty big truth bomb on me. And she was like, well, when are you going to forgive yourself? (laughs) And I was like, okay, that, that one, I did not expect that, but that's good reflection for the holidays. I had to actually write it down so I don't forget about it, but it's those little things. Right. And I think to your point, when you start shit talking yourself, we need to take a step back and understand where is that even coming from? And have we truly forgiven ourselves? Because that's kind of been my theme lately is that's the biggest battle is with ourselves. Yeah. I would even to, to throw a different question <laughs> your way, because I, I work with clients. So this is like the game that I play often. I would say, how does it benefit you to not forgive yourself? Right. right. Like, what do you gain from it? How does it help you in some way? Because we do things because it benefits us. And so right. maybe it means you don't have to confront certain feelings, or maybe it means that you get to stay safe or you get to be a certain identity that protects you. Right. Or you get yeah. to be a victim and then you get attention and belonging and connection and community. Um, so yeah, you get it. And that's a, what a huge question to ask at the end of a session. Like, <laughs> yeah. <so. laughs> yeah. And then, uh, yeah. And this is what it's going to cost you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that's powerful stuff. And I guess as we get to the end here, I guess in your case, you know, you, your worst case scenario would have brought you back to where you are already were. Mm-hmm. And you know, unfortunately, not a lot of people have that option, right? Um, If they were, and I think that's where a lot of the fear comes And And, you know, you can kind of extrapolate the same situation to even a divorce or or any type of tough choice where you cannot come back to where you are. What are some things, whether it's with your clients or or even for listeners, what are some things you would like to share uh, in terms of the questions people can ask or even just the outlook they can have in terms of, okay, well, this is what I need to consider. One thing, gosh, it's such a good question. One thing I would offer is that fear is not synonymous with danger. So fear is not the same thing as danger. What I mean by that is we confuse it. So when we are in our life in the present moment, and we want to do something different. We want to make a change. We want to leave a relationship, start a business, whatever. <clears throat> we want to do something different in the future. The future feels inherently unknown, uncertain. We've never done it before. We don't know how it's going to work out. Equals scary, right? It's like, that's scary. Mm-hmm. And so that is fear, but that's not necessarily danger. Right. So that's the first thing to to make a change. You have to consciously choose to step into this uncertainty that feels scary. Mm -hmm. And so bravery is required. What else is happening? Well, in the present moment, I'm comfortable. Like, yeah, maybe I'm suffering. Maybe I'm in pain, but I know that I can survive it. Like it's manageable. It's been going on for months or days or years. Like I'm still alive today. I'll make it through. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we have to consciously also choose to leave this comfortable 
zone of our life that feels normal, that's predictable, that feels safe, right? And so we're sort of stuck in what I describe as shit sandwich in the present moment where yeah. we're like, I'm moving towards the future and that's scary, but I'm also leaving the past and this, this past set of circumstances, this life that I've created. And that feels really hard to do because, you know, it's all right here. I like watching Netflix. I, yeah. You know, my marriage kind of sucks, but like, you know, it sucked for a while. I'm used to it now. Yeah. Right. We're like the frog that's slowly boiling. We're like, nah, it's like one degree below boiling. I could survive. <laughs> right. So, so we're in this shit sandwich whereby we have to step into the scary uncertainty. We have to leave the comfortable known and in the now. And that's challenging. That, that to me is the invitation mm-hmm. is like when you can start to see your life, when you zoom out, pull back, step out of the frame and like see the picture, then I think it confers a little bit more clarity and perspective as to what is really going on. And then it, then it can be about awareness, acceptance, action is another piece that I like to phrase it as is, okay, I'm aware of what's going on right now. I'm aware that I'm resisting this. I'm aware that I'm staying comfortable and small and safe in this manner. I'm aware of the terrain right? Can I accept that? Yeah. Okay. I'm, I accept it. And then it's like, yeah. okay, what am I going to do? Okay. What's the action, the awareness, acceptance, action, what's the action, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. And, and then being in integrity and having enough courage to be honest with yourself of like, I'm procrastinating. I'm totally avoiding this conversation. I, I have this in my own life. Like, dang, okay, back to, back to the awareness, acceptance, action piece. Like, what am I going to do about it? Um, to your point earlier, I think having a supportive community that you can lean on is vital. Mm-hmm. Even if that is just a single person that you can call or text. I do this with a buddy of mine and I'll be like, yo, I need you to pump my tires. Like, I just remind me how great I am. Like, tell me that this is the right move. Tell me that this is going to work. Like, tell me that um, you've got my back, whatever, like pump my fucking tires up, uh, put your hand on my, put your hand on my back and like, just let me feel it for a minute. Yeah. Um, so, so this idea that we have as men, that's so ingrained of the lone wolf mentality or mm-hmm. this, this misconception, this socially approved and accepted nonsense that asking for help is a sign of weakness rather than a tremendous showing of strength, right? Uh, I believe that sharing weakness is strength. Mm-hmm. I believe that vulnerability is powerful. And so also we have to remind ourselves that all of these decisions and all of our lives are operating in the larger fishbowl of the cultural, familial, social norms, uh, <laughs> So there's a lot going on, right? Yeah. And, and I think just zooming out again, creating an awareness of what's going on can help us to understand why we might be doing certain things and, right. and also why we're not doing certain things. Mm-hmm. And so with that comes an invitation to, gra- to be graceful and to be compassionate and kind to wrap it all up from the beginning is like, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily help to be 
a bully to yourself. Like it doesn't necessarily propagate momentum to, to be a jerk, right? right? I, I, I'm, I'm convinced that like, sometimes we need to be fierce and be like self-talk, like, bro, come on, you're yeah. avoiding, let's go. Like get out of bed, get to the gym, whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, there's some amount of that, but we can do it in a way that's, that's not shame inducing or perpetuating. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, I, I like everything you shared there. I think one of the things that's worked well for me too, is when you do have that self-talk is also giving yourself permission to your point to feel right. So if you're struggling with something, yeah, I mean, maybe it's not your norm to, to be in bed for an entire day, but it's giving yourself that permission to maybe accept that too. And knowing that that's not your forever, but letting that, you know, I think where that's where the shame comes in, where we keep telling ourselves that, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be doing this. It's like, yeah. okay, well, maybe you need this right now. Just give yourself that day and then get out of bed tomorrow and then go kick butt tomorrow. But have that compassion for yourself where you grant yourself permission to feel. Yeah. I, I, I like to joke that nobody ever won a fight with the universe, but like it doesn't stop me from picking them. Yeah, I'm like, oh, it should be happening like this. Like, this is what's supposed to be happening. They, they weren't supposed to do that. It's supposed to be done by now. I'm a bad person because I've uh, passed this arbitrary timeline that I pulled out of my ass and judged yeah. myself by, even though nobody else in the world knows or cares about it. It's like, hang on, hang on. Like, how are we talking to ourselves? Mm -hmm. right? What kind of messages are we sending to ourselves Right. And then I don't know, sometimes I imagine getting a transcript of that and like putting it on the internet. Like, would I be proud for the world to see how I'm describing myself? Or if I took that transcript and had to say those things to someone I love, yeah. I had to say those things to my son, to my, to my lover, like, would I, would I speak that way? Like, more than likely chances are not. Mm -hmm. Right. And yeah. so again, another invitation is to, to be kind to ourselves while in the middle of doing something really difficult, something challenging that we've never done before. Mm -hmm. It's like, we don't know how it's gonna go. We're not in control of the universe, although we as men like to oftentimes <laughs> pretend that we are. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and just like use, using words like flow or surrender of like, okay, I'm giving it my all and I'm trusting that this is how it's supposed to work out for me right now. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah. just trying to stay on the path Absolutely. one foot after the other. For sure. Yeah. 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 No. And I really like that whole uh, aspect of having someone in your life that you can rely on to pump your tires. Cause we, we shy away from that too. Right. And I think whether it's this, we, we don't want to come across as, narcissistic or whatever it could be whatever fears there are but I think just having someone there to to your point just have their hand on your back so you, you're you know you feel like you've got that support I think yeah. it's important yeah buddy Wakefield has this great line and he says risk more softness right that vulnerability requires courage <clears throat> and so risk more softness risk more softness of like hey I'm having a hard time like, can I talk to you today? 
Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm really struggling with this. Can you tell me how great I am? Yeah. Like, hey, I don't know what to do. Like, do you have any ideas for me? And like the other side of this is that like as a lazy person, which I am, I'm very lazy. <laughs> it's so much more efficient to like make a phone call or send a text and be like, hey, you've done this. Like, what do you think I should do? Like, and not, not like outsourcing my agency and not like just living a life based on others, but just like, oh, hey, you've launched a business. You've, you've been divorced. You've raised a kid. Like, just yeah. teach me the easy way instead of uh, me choosing to learn the hard way over and over and over. It's like when you talked about getting the cheat codes to the video game, it's like, hey, this part's hard. How did you get over this guy? Like, how'd you get past this? secret gate thing it's yeah. like oh there's a key to the left near the tree it's like oh sweet thanks that just yeah. saved me fucking three hours like yeah why would i not do that like, asking for help is so practical yeah it's so reasonable for um, sure <laughs> it's stigmatized right uh, yeah so i think part of the work i'm trying to do is is like promote laziness and in this in the stigma of asking for help it's like <laughs> just have easier lives together it just seems seems so reasonable yeah, I mean, I don't think it's laziness. I think it's just relying on your community. And that's what we've really struggled with. We've yeah. gotten away from that. You know, you think about many, many years ago, that's what it was. We relied on each other in our communities and, and our tribes. So, yeah. you know, I think we see all, a lot of that suffering because we feel like, as you mentioned earlier, as men, we're lone wolves. Meanwhile, we could just be supporting each other and learning yeah. so much from each other. Yeah, I remember uh, th- this might work out, it might not. But for Ken, I remember years ago, I was reading Sports Illustrated, which is a very popular magazine. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the very back page had this quote by Rudyard Kipling. And it goes like this. Uh, and this is the law of the jungle, as old and as true as the sky. And the wolf that keeps it, and for the wolf that keep it, oh, fuck. And the wolf that keeps it won't suffer, but the wolf that breaks it shall die. As the girdle that, that goes round the tree trunk, the law runneth forth and back. For the strength of the pack is the wolf, and the strength of the wolf is the pack. Right? And I remember those last two lines always shook me up. And it's like, yeah. we are not designed to do this life solitary, right? We are yeah. not supposed to be doing it solo. And so when we recognize that, yeah, we're wolves, but like, the lone wolf is bullshit because the lone wolf dies. Like the lone wolf starves to death yeah. alone in the cold and in the dark. Like we need to tell that part of the story. Everybody's like the lone wolf. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, no, in nature, you don't see lone wolves. You see yeah. packs of wolves. Like we need each other. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was, that's great. And I appreciate you sharing that. What more impressive is that you actually remembered the whole thing. Well, so. like barely, man. Like, <laughs> it's been a minute, but no, that, you can Google it. It's by Richard <laughs> Kipling. Yeah. Yeah. No, Jeremy, I really appreciate this conversation. Time really flew by and, you know, thank you again for doing this. Super grateful. I guess towards the end here for listeners that want to either get a hold of you or, you know, talk to you, find your work. What are some ways they can do that? Sure. So the, the primary ways are on Instagram. My mm-hmm. handle is long distance love bombs. And I'm sharing lots of words, lots of rants, lots of uh, ideas about how to 
live a lazier, easier existence. And then I have the Long Distance Love Bombs podcast, which I've got like 150 episodes with relationship experts, therapists, coaches, musicians, uh, Grammy winners, bestsellers. I don't know, like all kinds of just quirky, interesting people talking about this kind of stuff, man. Mm -hmm. Um, How to live life, how to do relationships, how to love, how to heal. Um, I have a book called uh, It'll Be Okay and You Will Be Too. That's a little tear and share book of mantras and poems. It's like a little coffee table kind of book. Mm -hmm. What else do I do? Yeah, I've got an email list. I like, I do workshops and events and things. Um, yeah. I have a little print shop where I sell some of the words I've written. Yeah. So yeah, primary longdistancelovebombs.com. That's the headquarters. And uh, yeah, get in touch. If you have a question, hit me up. Um, love, to, love to hear from you. And thank you for, for the invitation. I appreciate the, the conversation. That was fun. It was flowing. Uh, yeah. Love what you're up to and love what you're doing. So I'm happy to, happy to support how I can. Thank you. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. As always, please subscribe to the podcast if you enjoy the episodes or leave a comment in the comment section. I always love hearing from you. Thank you again and until next week.